Good morning. Good to see each of you today. Hope you're all having a good weekend and welcome to worship. If you grab your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. On the back, there's a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, just fill that blue side out and put it in the offering plate as it comes by, and we'll follow up with you about McCainsville Baptist, any questions you might have. And on the other side is a place for uh, prayer requests at the bottom on the yellow side. Please fill that out, and we'll pray as we do each Tuesday in our staff time. On the back are some opportunities for the week. Make a mention of a few things and a couple things to make note of. Tonight, we do have our encounter service right here at 5 o'clock. There's also a deacon's meeting at 5 o'clock as well that's not listed in here, but it is on. So if you're a deacon, 5 p.m., where do you all meet, Tim? John Bright Room? John Bright Room, 5 p.m. And then tonight we have youth ensemble handbells as well. Uh, Wednesday, we do have connect groups, Awanas, and youth, and the quarterly business meeting is this Wednesday. If you are in a connect group, I would encourage you, you probably talk to your leaders, Kevin, Becky, and Paula. Uh, they are independently deciding whether or not to meet. So if you want to know if your connect group is meeting, please talk to your leader if they have not already communicated that with you. But the rest are welcome to our business meeting at 615 and then a choir at 730 on Wednesday. Um, that's about all I have. So it's that time of year. It's Elf Karen, everybody. <laughs> Big round of applause for Elf Karen. Happy 2019. It's Operation Christmas Child time. You haven't heard from me in a while, but I hope that that doesn't mean that you've stopped thinking about Operation Christmas Child. Because, of course, our 300 and 343 shoeboxes, um, some have been delivered, some are still on their way. Boys and girls, that will, those boxes will make a difference in their lives. Be praying for those boys and girls. Um, that, the, that the gifts will be the miracles that they need. It'll bring them hope, it'll bring them joy, and it'll bring them the opportunity to hear about God's love for them. It's time to start collecting for 2019, and as you can tell, in the month of January, we are collecting warm gear, hats, gloves, scarves, earmuffs, things that will keep them warm, and it's sale time for all that stuff, so you can really your dollar can go much further. I want to add something else fun for the month of January, coloring books. I just talked with someone who bought all of the Christmas coloring books that Dollar Tree had left because they were a super sale. Just think about if each of our children brought a coloring book. We'd be well on our way um, to, to having enough for our packing party in November. So take your children shopping, buy coloring books with them, explain what it's for, and then joyfully bring those coloring books to the waiting Christmas bins, both in the Family Life Center and in the foyer. We're making a difference, boy by girl by boy. Hurting children who need hope and who need the love of Jesus, and we can make that difference. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. And as we are collecting for the winter 
items for the children. I wanted to make mention that we are doing our homeless ministry this coming Saturday. If you've not already done so, we would love for you to get uh, adult men's size hats, gloves, and socks. And there's a barrel out here, a barrel in the Family Life Center. So as you're getting the things for the kids, if you could bring in some hat, gloves, and socks, we're going to do our uh, ministry this coming Saturday and uh, some other times as well. If you, if you can bring them in Wednesday, that'd be fantastic. If you get them on Sunday, we will have other opportunities to share those with those in whom we go to minister to in downtown Richmond. All right. Becky's coming up. All right. That's right. <laughs> Paul is out of town this week. We need to say a prayer for Paul. He's got 100 plus of his students from the Atlee Band down um, in Orlando, Florida, and they've been there since Wednesday and are coming back tonight. Tonight, they're coming back tonight. He sends his love to all of you and said he's sorry he can't be here this morning, but I'm going to do my best to fill in for him, although that won't be enough, I'm sure. But I do invite you to stand and meet and greet right now and get your hymnal open to hymn number 63. That's going to be our call to worship today, Awesome God. Meet and greet, and then the choir will lead us in our call to worship. Please stand. John chapter 4, starting verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if, we, if God so loved us, we also should love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this new year and for this uh, opportunity we have each and every Sunday and each and every day to imitate the love of Christ. God, we thank you so much for how much you 
richly have loved us. The love of Jesus compels us to go and to share that love with those around us. And so, God, may we do that in ways in which you have uh, led and are going to be leading. And so, God, we thank you this service, this day that uh, you are here, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is amongst us, and may you be glorified in everything we do. May uh, our songs uh, be an offering of love to you. May our May the message from your word uh, reflect your love for us, and may we uh, look forward to what you're going to do this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I invite you to take your hymnals again, and let's turn to hymn number 337, God our Father, we adore thee. Let's stand together as we sing. Hymn 337. hymnals and turn to page 63. Page 63, right above the song Awesome God, will be our responsive reading for this day. And uh, I will be doing the worship leader, and we'll have all together worshipers. There's places for women and for the men. 
and uh, page 63. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. He is your praise, and he is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome works your eyes have seen? He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. For he says to the snow, fall to the earth, and the torrential rains, his mighty torrential rains, serve as his signature to all mankind, so that all men may know his work. The Almighty, we cannot reach him. He is exalted in power. You did awesome deeds that we did not expect. You came down, and the mountains quaked at your presence. Lord, there is no one like you, and there is no God besides you, as all we have heard confirms. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. Let's continue our worship by turning to that wonderful hymn of praise, number 500, Trust and Obey. Hymn 500, let's stand together as we sing.
please remain standing for our offertory prayer. Good morning. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord after missing last week. I don't know about y'all, but every now and then I need my batteries recharged up. Coming to church and, and getting together with fellow believers charges my batteries, and as well as seeking a word from the Lord. Bow with me in prayer as we say prayer over our tithes. Father in heaven, Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the blessing of life. We thank you, God, for guiding us and protecting us throughout this week. And, O oh Lord, we thank you for allowing us to assemble ourselves in your house once again. Father, as we begin to offer our tithes and offerings to you this morning, let us do this, O oh God, knowing that it is not just a, a requirement, but it is something that we do from the heart. Let us come to you, O oh God, and offer not just our tithes and offerings, but our hearts and our love and share it with those who are all around us. Let us share this outside of these four walls, O oh God, that people in the world may see your good works and praise thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.
our Lord and our God. In your presence we bow, giving thanks before you for the blessings of life, for the gift of life itself, and for the power of your love to redeem life. We pray, Father, that you will accept our worship, our praise, and our adoration. And that the love that you have for us might be reciprocated through us as we seek to serve you. We're grateful for the opportunity to be in your house today. We pray, Father, that as we gather, that we will feel the power of your spirit in our lives. And that we will know your blessing. We pray for this church. Work of this place and for the hope that that as we give of ourselves, those gifts are never returned empty because people's lives can be touched and transformed. We give thanks for each person who gives of their time and of their talents and of their abilities. And we pray, Father, that you will receive our work. We pray for those who are ill, for those who are facing surgery, for those who are recuperating at home, for those, Father, who are in rehab facilities and health care facilities. We give them to you. And know that you can work to bring strength and healing. For those, Father, who have lost loved ones in recent weeks and months, we know, Father, that There is loss with separation. And yet, Father, we know that you can bring strength and encouragement to those who need comfort. For our missionaries, we pray that you would bless their work around the world. That as they go, we might pray for them and give so that they can minister in the name of Jesus. Supply their needs. We're grateful, Father, for the power of your love to redeem us. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
as we continue our study in the book of Revelation, the seven churches, we will just uh, add one to the end since we missed last week, and we'll do the one that we're going to do last week, uh, this morning, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, recovering what matters most as we're looking into the church at Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. The oft-quoted gem about love is from stanza 27 of the Alfred Tennyson's poem called In Memoriam A.H.H. The whole poem was written in 133 stanzas and was in honor of his friend Arthur Henry Hanlon who died unexpectedly. The whole of the poem uses some form of the word love 134 times. When faced with the death of his friend, love was the concept that dominated the lengthiest of all his poems. Many literary scholars consider In Memoriam A.H.H. to be the greatest of Tennyson's works. What other concept could possibly stand in the place of the grief that the poet faced when his friend died? It is an emotion, a force of the will, and the intent of the heart that longs for the best in another's life. It is what we feel when the great chasm sets in between us and a person who is now separated from us. As the Apostle Paul wrote, now these three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is a powerful expression in our lives that moves far beyond the puppy love of our early romantic crushes In middle school. Love as we see in Paul's letter. Is the virtuous character. That seeks the best of another person. Love sets self aside. So that service can be rendered. Love sets self aside. So that service can be rendered. In Revelation 2 verses 1 through 7, Jesus spoke about love in a way that is far greater than our romances and friendships. He offered the Ephesian church and all of us as believers the way to see how love is such a pivotal pivotal issue and how we follow our Lord. You know, people try to fake it until they make it in many areas of life. 
But when the heart is not in it, we will eventually give up and walk away. Jesus called the Ephesian church to return to a deep love for him so they could have a life that reflects the gospel. They had lost their first love. Following Christ is a matter of the heart. We can get by with great religious activities but miss the core of it all. God wants our heart first. When he has that, then our actions will follow. The first of the seven letters addressed to the angel of the church in Ephesus is just such a word. The likely recipient of the letter is the pastor of the church. An angel is most literally, as I said two weeks ago, translated a messenger. Then the Lord wanted this message to be received by, then passed along by, the leader of the local congregation in Ephesus. The city was one of the most powerful cities in the Roman Empire, with a large population and the hub of commerce and trade for the western region of Asia Minor. This letter to the church reflects the need to recognize Christ's authority over the church and to purify their worship to Him. An important item to note with all of the seven letters is that they begin the same way with the phrase, write to the angel of the church in. Then insert the name of the city where that particular church is located. Each letter then follows with the phrase, thus says, and gives a description of the Lord Jesus who authored the message to the, to the specific church. For each of the letters, Jesus offered a different description of himself. To Ephesus, we see very clearly, he described himself as the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands. But I believe that the reason these letters are strategically placed at the beginning of Revelation is unless we come to terms with what is going on in these churches and examine our own lives and inventory our own selves to see if we're ready to receive the very difficult passages that follow these letters to the churches. Jesus gives us every opportunity to examine ourselves so that we might be worthy of hearing what he has to say. First we see in verse 1 that Jesus is a savior who rules the church. Holding the church with power. The work of Jesus is not something separate from the church. He holds us in his right hand and walks among us. The Lord is intimately involved in the work, the leaders and the people of the church. He is with us Today, moving in the church with insight, the scripture teaches. Jesus is in the midst of the work, walking in the midst of the church. Through the Lord, though the Lord was about to deliver a difficult word to the Ephesian church, his self-revelation is one that would encourage their souls to know that they had not been abandoned. This church, like all of the churches, were suffering. And Jesus wanted them to know that he was with them even though he had a message to deliver that they might not want to hear. He believes that the church should work for the truth. And he believes that the Ephesian church is doing just that. They have shown commitment and endurance in the midst of difficult circumstances as recorded in verse 2. Many people wonder if God is aware of their lives. 
The question about our very existence are often stated as where did we come from? They are questions about creation. But the question that is behind the question is often more personal. Beyond the creation issue, people want to know that they matter enough to the Creator to be noticed by Him. In verse 2, Jesus made it clear that He was watching over this church. He described several actions of their lives that were worthy of commendation, beginning with the triplet description of your works, your labor, and your endurance. They have rejected false teachers and false teaching that would destroy their gospel ministry. The Ephesian church refused to tolerate evil people in their midst. They were aware of the need for the purity of the church. The proper intolerance was shown to those who masqueraded as apostles, but they really were not. The church tested them as we should scrutinize those who wish to be influential in the church today. For the Ephesians, they found them to be liars who were seeking to deceive the church with a false portrait of the gospel. They were struggling with the reality of evil within. They have been motivated by the fame of Jesus in the world. In verse 3, Jesus knew the very reason that they patiently toiled toward faithfulness was for the sake of Jesus' name. In spite of what could make one weary, they had not grown tired. Persevering and enduring the hardships of preserving the gospel had been because they valued the name of Jesus. He had been the reason for their faithfulness and Jesus acknowledged that. But something was still missing. And that something is described to us in verse 4. There was a lack of love as a priority. That which Jesus held against them was what they should have guarded the most. Sadly, after the great statement of the church's pious activity, Jesus next delivered a difficult message about the state of their individual hearts. He had commended them, but then delivered the simple phrase, But I have this against you. The wording is not complex in the original Greek language, nor is it difficult to translate. The Lord brought a charge against those who had shown great endurance in the work of the church. They looked as if they were doing what they should be doing, but something was missing. On the surface, it seems odd to us. We value hard work, bearing the load of ministry and standing up under the pressure of the world that, put, that is put upon us. We gain strength from the stories like David as a shepherd boy facing Goliath, Daniel refusing to pray to the human king, and the early church suffering under the Roman Empire. But the Lord pressed the Ephesian church to understand that there is more to the Christian life than simply acting in the proper manner. He wanted them to see love as the central core for all that they would do in relation to Him. He knew that without love, they were as a clanging cymbal. So we can get it all right in church and have it all wrong. And that's what Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus. Loving Jesus like on the first day of salvation is how we should love Him every day of our salvation. Jesus' charge was at the heart of the Christian life. You have abandoned the love you had at first. James Hamilton wrote that Revelation 2, 1 through 7 teaches us that the great commandment matters to God. That we love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our minds, and with all our souls. It matters to God. Jesus identified our greatest obligation as wholehearted love for God. 
It all begins there. Which declares to us that God is not pleased by dutiful obedience that does not flow from genuine love. What is your motivation? That's what Jesus was saying. Even though the Ephesians were doing the right thing, even with the name of Christ in mind, they had walked away from that which was most important. He did not want from them nor from us only a robot-like obedience. God wants our hearts to be fully devoted to Him. Before we give God outward devotion, God demands and deserves all of our inward affections. From the ancient times of God's people to the modern age, we are once again reminded that love is the central discipline of the Christian life. Without love, we simply mimic religious activities in the hopes of impressing people and God. As a whole church, love should be an evident characteristic. But then he adds this to the story, a reminder of how to be faithful. In verses 5 and 6. We must remember and repent. Verse 5 states. On the heels of this forceful confrontation. Jesus gave the Ephesians both perspective and a path forward. He put context to the idea of how far they had fallen away from prevailing upon memory. The chasm between where they were and where they had been in affection for God. Was highlighted with the directive to remember then how far You have fallen. The verb for remember is a present active imperative, which means they were to keep on remembering or keep calling to mind. As we are given to repeating our mistakes, the Lord gave the command to keep on calling up the memory. It was needed to move them to the faithfulness that He expected. Keep on remembering where you were and where you are now. Keep on remembering so that God can work in and through you. Once you have remembered where you should be, then repentance is possible. The call to repent by God is too often seen as Him scowling and wagging His finger at us like an angry parent might at a child. But the call to repent is actually the kindness of God shown toward us. He desires for wayward believers to turn around and come back to the relationship He desires to have with us. When you repent in your heart, then you are ready to do the works you did at first. But the heart must be changed before the activities can be sincere. God does not desire mere moralism from us. He wants a return to our first love so that the heart will lead our actions. We all have that conflict and struggle in our lives, don't we? Between heart and head. Our head tells us one thing, our heart tells us another. Our head tells us something that we should do when it was time to discipline our children, but our heart says something else, doesn't it? When we have loved ones who are ill and are suffering and pass from this life to eternity into the presence of God, our hearts are breaking, but our heads sometimes say they are so much better off. It's a heart-head thing. And John heard from Jesus on that day that it was important to love and lead with the heart. Jesus is just in returning and removing. Jesus said, I will come to you with the emphasis that this is not the kind of visit you want from me. 
We want the visitation from the Spirit to console us in grief and empower us in ministry. But this visit from God will be to remove your lampstand from its place. Already identified as a church, the lampstand is indicative of the light that a congregation displays. We want the visitation of the Spirit to console us in grief and empower us in ministry. But this visit from God will be to remove your lampstand from its place. Already identified as a church, the lampstand is indicative of the light that a congregation displays. When we can surmise that it is essentially the witness by a church of the gospel in the world. But if a church willfully resists loving God with sincerity, then Christ is justified in removing our witness because it will fail to glorify Him. You see, if we're not loving God, we're loving self. And that's where they had it confused. They were suffering. And because they were suffering, it makes it very easy for us to look inward and not outward, doesn't it? And in this particular case, that's exactly what was happening. They had made it about themselves and not about love for God. And when we do that, the light in the church will go out. Not all churches. Just those who forget to love. The Nicolaitans must be continually rejected. Verse 6, throughout history, little has been known of the sect known as the Nicolaitans. Various theories have been put forth as to their origination, connection to pagan religions, and their status as a Gnostic cult from the Christian faith. Since we do not know with certainty who they were, what we can do is connect them with the false apostles noted earlier in chapter 2. It is reasonable to see that the Named groups or group were those attempting to deliver doctrine that needed to be tested by the faithful leaders of the church. That work of the church continues today in that we must test the messages that are to be delivered. Pastors, leaders and all members must love Christ so deeply that they will hate the practices of those who bring lies into the message of the church. Certainly if we do not, then we deserve the judgment described of having our influence removed by Christ so we do not hinder His gospel mission. But then in verse 7, He leaves us with hope once again. A future that is filled with blessing. The conclusion to this message begins with a phrase that is repeated in the other six messages. God encouraged the church to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen. We are summoned to listen attentively rather than be slack with the message. Any sloppy application would reveal that the first love for Christ is still not present among us. Rather, we we should hold an intensity of attention to the message from Christ through the Spirit. Listen to what the Spirit says. The promise is given to the one who conquers, which would be all who are believers. The only way a person is a conqueror over sin is through the atoning work of Christ on the cross. If the phrase were applied to those who endure by their own fortitude, then the message would be that of a works-based salvation. Or we would be left with a salvation that is given by God but must be preserved by our own merits. We cannot work for what God has given us. 
Instead, it is, a re- it is reasonable to understand the conqueror status of someone in the church as being the gift of God. We are more than conquerors, Paul said, through Christ who loved us. Eating from the tree of life. To all true believers, the promise is given that the tree of life will be awaiting them in the paradise of God. Living in the paradise of God, we find the eternal home of the believer is one that has the great source of life from which we will feed. As the reader presses through the entire book of Revelation, numerous descriptors are given of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, and where God's people will dwell with Him throughout the eternal ages. As a believer, you will eternally live by the power of God, in the presence of God, in the perfect abode that is provided by God. Nominal Christianity dies a natural death as it should. There should be no place in our lives for loveless religious practices that major on being right and minor on loving God. Along with the Ephesian church, let's closely listen to our Lord's kindest call to repentance. And love Him to the fullest measure of our hearts. Because if we can't love, we can't be the church. If we can't love, you know what we are? A social organization that comes and meets and does good. And that's not what God requires. He loved us. So that we could love him. Shall we pray? Father, we rejoice in the power of your letter. Given to us in such vivid terms. Showing us, Father, the power of love to redeem us. And the hope that rests in knowing. That you love us. And as we love you, the light of the church will burn bright. And others will see. Thank you. For the grace shown to us through Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Grace greater than our sin is our hymn of invitation. Hymn number 105. God's grace is what redeems us and shows us the way. We have a responsibility to examine our hearts, our minds, and our lives to see if we love the Lord and His love our motivation for being a part of His church. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for being here today. I'm sorry we missed last week, but uh, we will try to get weather announcements out as quickly as we can. Um, so I trust that uh, hopefully you get the message. Uh, always call me if in doubt. I'll be glad to clear it up for you uh, if there is a problem and we can't be here. Um, don't forget about the other activities that are occurring tonight uh, as we gather and try to keep warm uh, overnight tonight since the temperature's dropping since we got here, I think, this morning. Um, Revelation's a whole lot to swallow even as we uh, look at just these churches. I try to get the information out to you and it's like I told them in the first service. If you didn't get the message of love today and that's what was lacking, then I really failed. So that's what you need to take away from that church, the fact that they... Uh, had lost their first love and that love was their relationship to Jesus Christ let's bow for benediction eternal God and father as we leave today we know that we go because you first loved us your grace indeed is marvelous your grace has lifted us to this very day and shown us the light to walk in may we be your light in the world and may we love you first so that as we love you, we can love others. As we depart, Father, may we go in peace. In the name of Jesus, amen.